Hello, I'm Lyle Southwell. Welcome to Let God Speak. Today we focus on the only solution to our greatest problem, the problem of ourselves. We're going to study the life of the master teacher himself, Jesus. Well, on our panel today, we have uh, Morgan Vincent and Danny Milenkov. And as we begin our program, as always, let's start with prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that we have the privilege of being able to read and to study your word and to hear your voice speaking to us. We pray that as we do so today, that your Holy Spirit will be here to guide us and to draw us into your presence. We ask in Jesus name. Amen. Mm. Amen. So modern education today and modern philosophy really teaches us to focus on ourselves. You know, we hear these mantras that go around, you know, you deserve it. You can do it. And I guess, you know, my pet peeve is the one that says, you know, uh, be true to yourself. Hmm. Morgan, isn't this kind of like the very first thing that Satan ever said to Eve in the Garden of Eden, the first great temptation? Yeah, absolutely it is. And Lyle, we'll go straight to the Bible. And it says in Genesis 3, we find the the words that the serpent uh, says to the woman. And in Genesis 3, and we read verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. That's what they will, that's this lie. And that's what you were saying earlier, that modern thought is, well, you'll be like God. You'll advance, you'll you'll get to this place where you'll be like God. And, it's uh, all about you. Yeah. It's all about... You're the center of everything. That's right. You, are, you are the solution. Exactly. And in verse 6, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. So again, it's all about themselves. Mm-hmm. Focus is there on themselves. Okay. Now, of course, their lives were vastly different. Uh, Danny, was it improvement when they decided to be like gods and to receive all of this information that, you know, Satan was promising them as a result of eating the fruit? It was certainly different. Was it better? It was a disaster, to put it in a word. Unfortunately, they, they recognized what God had told them, that the day that you eat in this, you will die. And that day uh, they had... a uh, spiritual sever from God um, in a way that they had never experienced before. They experienced shame and pain and guilt. And ultimately, uh, they held the death of their son, Abel, not so long afterwards. And they experienced the, the true fruit of, of what it means to sin, of what it means to live in separation of God, of what it means to distrust the word of God. Mm. And to me, it's, it's really interesting that um, the serpent tempted Eve into believing that God was withholding something from her and Adam that would be to their good. Mm. And that has been that temptation that has gone all the way down through history where you cannot trust God that he doesn't have your best interest in heart. You need to take matters into your own hands. You need to do, as you pointed out, you need to do it your way. As Frank Sinatra 
sang that very popular song, you know, I did it my way. And we experience, mm. sadly, the, the consequences of doing things our way. That's right. Absolutely. Mm. And, you know, I started off by mentioning that that mantra that we have today, you know, be true to yourself. And we hear it all the time. We even hear Christians make this statement. You know, the last thing in the world I ever want to do is to be true to myself. Hmm, sure. You know, I want to be true to Jesus Christ. I want to die to self. But, you know, Morgan, moving on from here, um, God comes to Adam and Eve after they have fallen for this temptation. And he asks, where are you? Isn't that the strangest kind of question for God to ask? I mean, doesn't God know where we are mm. all the time? He knows that we are right here right now. Yeah, absolutely. It seems strange and it's not as though God's asking it because he needs to acquire information or know their geographical location, but rather God's asking it because sometimes if you were to ask someone a question, a family member or friend, you ask that question in the hope that the person you're asking it to will come to a realization. And so God here is asking this question, where are you? Not for his benefit per se, but more so that uh, Adam and, and the woman Eve can know, hold on, we're distant from God. We've been running from God. That's why he's asking the question. And you can kind of imagine, you know, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden as, you know, this question is asked. They're hiding, mm. but they know that God knows where they are. And then God asks the question, you know, that would hit pretty close to home, wouldn't it? If you mm. sort of just put yourself in that kind of a situation. Okay, so Danny, what does this tell us about sin's results, the results of sin? Well, as I shared earlier, the result of sin is experiencing that which God never intended for the human race. It was always God's plan for, for the human race to enjoy the abundant life, to enjoy a holistic life where they, where they grew physically, spiritually, emotionally, socially in every aspect. That was God's plan. And so when sin comes into this world, it's, it's a virus. It's a rotten virus. And we're very well familiar with the rotten virus uh, doing, uh, doing the rounds around the world right now. And so as this sin problem comes into this world, we discover the consequences of sin. And as I pointed out earlier, there's guilt, uh, there's shame, which, which comes into the story. Um, there's suffering, there's pain. And ultimately, the, the ultimate consequence of sin is alienation from God. Mm. That separation from God, which which brings about with it, um, the, you know, the the greatest consequences that one can imagine, because mm. God is the life force of the universe. He is the one that gives the abundant life. So ultimately, sin separates from God. It's like a cancer. Mm -hmm. I illustrate it like a cancer. Cancer separates loved ones from one another. It brings pain, it brings hurt, it brings suffering. And all of us at one time or another have experienced um, either cancer ourselves or someone who we love has had cancer. And that's what sin is. It's a cancer. So you're a pastor and no doubt you've come across people on occasion who deny the existence of sin. I mean, after all, if we come from an evolutionary process, how can sin exist? Do you think people who deny the existence of sin actually are able to sidestep those feelings of shame and guilt? No, I don't think so, because um, we, we know firsthand um, what it feels like to, to suffer pain. We, we, we just know that. that that's part of the human experience. And sin brings about pain and suffering. Mm. And so whether, whether you deny it or not um, is irrelevant. You can deny that if you jump off a cliff that you're going to end up 
in not such a good place at the bottom of their cliff. You can deny that, but the reality is that's what's going to happen. And so regardless of what we may think or may not, uh, what, what we think or don't think, the reality is that sin separates us from God and the consequences of that follow. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Now, you know, while we're talking about that, because that's an interesting subject, you know, what do, what, what is the modern notion of sin today? What kind of, Morgan, ideas are you finding when you go out to the community? What do people actually think about sin? Yeah, some can just straight out deny it and say that there's no such thing as a, a like a moral fall or a, you know, a separation from God. Of course, if you don't believe in God, then there's nothing like sin that surely would exist in terms of morality, evil, these kinds of things, pain, suffering. Well, it's just a fact of life and we better just get used to it. But if you come from a worldview of faith, then you see it as something serious. It's constant, there's consequences, separation from God. And when we read the first few chapters of the Bible, the first six, we find just the, the spiral downhill and just every, everything that could go wrong does go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as believers, we recognize that uh, humanity is the source of the problem. Um, we recognize our own depravity as human beings. Danny, do you think that that um, solves the problem, that recognition? It would be nice if I could <laughs> say <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, Just recognize it, problem no, solved. No, um, it doesn't, doesn't. The, the truth is right there in the garden. When, when you read uh, Genesis chapter 3, you discover um, God has to, has to, has to, intercede on behalf of Adam and Eve. God has to intervene in order to help them understand um, that they have sinned, that the consequences of sin are, are, are horrible and horrendous. And God has to help Adam and Eve recognize their sin because what's the natural, uh, their natural response is to blame. Mm. And, and that's not how we deal with sin. We no. don't deal with sin by blaming someone or blaming our situation. Uh, we deal with sin by confronting it, realizing that, yes, I have sinned. I need a savior. I need a savior. And that's ultimately what, what God was trying to help Adam and Eve understand and what God is trying to help us understand. So Adam and Eve were able to, you know, to learn and to understand about God's grace. And we have other examples in the Bible. We're going to look at another example here for just a moment. And this is in uh, Genesis chapter 28, verse, uh, let me see, starting in verse 10, the Bible says, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came upon a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun was setting. And he took a stone of that place and put them for his pillow and lay down in that place to sleep. You know, interesting story right here. I don't know how good of a sleep he had that particular <laughs> night. What was Jacob doing sleeping with a stone for a pillow under the stars? I mean, had he just gone on a camping trip and forgotten his uh, take his swag? What's going on here, Morgan? <laughs> well, he's basically doing the same thing that Adam and Eve did mm. as soon as they sinned. They're run he's running. He's running from his family, from what's familiar to him. And that's the strange thing about sin uh, and about selfishness. What we're talking about today is that he's running away. He's deceived his father. He's wronged his brother. And now he's wanting to just get away from it, hoping that the consequence will go away as well. But obviously it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I mean, Danny, what an epic sinner you've got right here. Can you believe that God calls himself the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob? It's interesting. Um, someone once pointed out to me that the, the lower you are, the, the worse your condition, 
the, the further God is willing to go in order to rescue you and to save you. Mm. And that's what we find all the way through scripture. And, um, and once again, you know, like, like Morgan pointed out, Jacob here is running away. And, and we find ourselves as humans running away from God. And, you know, the, I, I remember, I think it was Dwight Nelson, Pastor Dwight Nelson coined the phrase back in 1998, many years ago, God is not someone to be afraid of, someone to run away from, but God wants to be our friend, someone to be a friend of. And so mm. this, is, this is quite interesting. It's just the consequences of sin. We just run away from God instead of running to God, who is our only solution. Mm. Of course, we have the story of how God visited with Jacob that night. And that tells us something about the grace of God right there, because, you know, God, God hasn't gone anywhere. God is with him the whole time. And here in verse 16, the Bible says, And Jacob, Jacob woke out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Morgan, do you resonate with Jacob's response to the dream that God gave Jacob that night? Yeah, definitely. You know, there are times in my life where all I'm thinking about is myself and there's no solution to myself if I look to myself. And here Jacob, you know, he's alone. He's faced with the trials he's going through. But then he realizes that God is actually with him. And the lesson for each of us and for those watching is that God is with us mm. in our trials. And maybe perhaps shame and guilt isn't something to separate us from God, but God uses it as a bridge to bring us back to him. Mm. That's what I found in my Okay, so what does, just following this story through, Danny, where does, where, did, where does Jacob go in his life from this particular point? What, um, what impact does this event have on, on Jacob's life? Well, this has a huge impact on him in that he, he makes a decision right there and then that he wants, he wants God to journey with him mm. all the way through. And I might just continue reading here from um, Genesis 28 verses 20 to 22, where it says, Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. Verse 22. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So here, here, uh, Jacob makes a promise to God. And it's almost as if he's reaching out to God. He, he wants a covenant with God. He's God, you have revealed your grace to me in a powerful way. And I want to, I, I want to make uh, a decision today. Here is a stone and stones are very symbolic in the Bible. We have, we have stones uh, established and we have altars established in different places as visible signs of a decision to follow God and mm. to be faithful to him and to make that uh, connection with him, to make a covenant with him. Mm. And this is what Jacob does. And he talks about tithe here. Mm. I mean, at a time like this, when he is penniless, he's talking about tithe. Morgan, any comments on that? Yeah, it does seem a strange thing, but to follow on from what Danny was saying, that you know God wants our entire lives. And this is here what God is wanting and what Jacob is to, to respond by doing. And so then by giving a, a tithe or a tenth of, of what he has, his income, you know, it's a test of, of his loyalty uh, to God. Will God provide? Will God be with me? 
and he knows that to be true. Well, we have a saying, you know, put your money where your mouth is. That's right. And, <laughs> and if, you, if, you, if you really believe in something, you will do that. And uh, even Jesus said, you know, where, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. So, you know, we, we know full well that, you know, finances are an important part of life, but often individuals will put their finances ahead of God. But here, here, Jacob places his finances in the context of being faithful to God. And God, you have everything. You have my life. You have my finances. You have everything. It all belongs to you. I want to be faithful and I want to have union with you in every aspect of my life. And what an experience, you know, when you are feeling so far from God and suddenly realize that God is right there, that God is, is chasing you down. You know, the, um, the Bible study takes us to John chapter one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. How important are these truths in actually doing this, Danny, in, in giving our life completely to God? Well, this this for me is um, is just an incredible passage that that reminds us of Genesis chapter one, where it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm. And here you have that same language in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. God wants to be with us from the very beginning. Uh, when I read these passages, I, I discover the, the beautiful truth that God wants to be in union with us 24 seven. That was God's original plan for Adam and Eve. But sadly, they chose a different route. But God wants to be with us. And this is God in human flesh coming to this earth in order to restore us back to himself. I think it's just a beautiful picture. Mm. It is. And it's something that John the Baptist, I think, understood really well. When you go a little bit further down here in verse, uh, let me see, where are we? Verse 26, the Bible says, John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there is one standing among you who you do not know, he it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoelaces I am not worthy to unloose. What's, Morgan, what, what is it that John is saying right here? You know, he's, he's acknowledging how good, how great, how amazing God is uh, in, in the flesh of you know, humanity being Jesus Christ. And then interesting, uh, I'll read on Lyle and it says in verse 29, it says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. Note that. Jesus is coming toward John. It's not the other way around. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 30, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. He calls out and realizes that Jesus is the one to fix this sin problem. Uh, Danny, how did he know that? Well, the Bible says, as you, as you continue to read, that the Holy Spirit, impressed that upon him. And I just want to pick it up um, in verse 33, where he says, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, okay, this is speaking of the Holy Spirit. And he was imbued with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, from his birth, from, well, from his mother's womb. Mm. Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on, and I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Mm -hmm. mm. Indeed. And you can see here, you know, when we think about Jacob, he's recognized this. John the Baptist recognizes. One of the things I love about the story of Jacob is, you know, when he wrestles with the angel, which turns out to be Jesus Christ. And there's that persistence, you know, I will not let you go unless mm. you bless me. Mm. And that comes through in another one of these stories right here 
in, uh, if we go over to Matthew chapter 15, uh, the Bible says, And behold, a woman of Canaan, who came out of the same coast, cried to him, saying, Have, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came to him and, and, and beseeched him or besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. Now, if we go down through this, this story a little bit further and we continue on to verse 25, then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And of course, skipping ahead down to verse 28, Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. I mean, what a story of faith mm. that we've got taking place right here. What's God's attitude here, Morgan? Because mm. it can, kind of seems like sure. a strange story, doesn't it? it? Yeah, it does seem a bizarre story, but it's a posture of one where he's wanting to help. You know, God looks here and Jesus here is looking and he's wanting to help. He's wanting to listen. And so similar to that, if we're praying people, we can be like Jacob. We can be here like this woman and, and know that God's actually here. God actually wants to help us. Uh, he's here and how good is it that he is? I think Jesus, um, I think his face and his, his body language um, gave him away. Even though, <laughs> even, though, even though he said, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't really come for you. Um, and, and he's trying to put her off. But I think his body language uh, gave him away. I think just his smile, just the love on his face and so forth. He wasn't able to hide that. And this woman is able to see through his words. Yes. Um, and she's able to see this is my only hope. And he really does care for me. He really does love me. And my faith in him will be will be will be shown that, yes, he will do for me what I've asked him because I believe by faith. Yeah, absolutely. And that really does illustrate, you know, um, why she was so tenacious in uh, this particular situation. Um, so, Morgan, just a question here. What do we do when things we, we pray about and, you know, we pray for something and it doesn't turn out as we expect? What should we do there? Often I find when I pray, it can be the, you know, give me what I want prayers. Lord, I need this. I need this. I need this. And the focus is all about me. Right. That will bring disappointment. But I want us to turn in our Bibles to, to the book of 1 John, right at the end of the Bibles in 1 John. And I'll read chapter 5 and I'll read verses 14 and 15. And here is this amazing passage of the confidence we can have in prayer. Verse 14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. It's important for us to know God's will. And verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. When we yield to God's will, it will bring the results from God that he wants. And so, you know, sometimes that involves patience, which can be a challenge, but we know and can have confidence, it says, mm. in praying to God. Amen. Yes, indeed. There's another story of great um, persistence that we find in the Bible. And I love to read this story. Uh, we find this one in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. The Bible says they came to Jericho and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Tinius, sat by the, highway, by the highway begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on mm -hmm. me. 
Here you've got this interesting uh, story where you've got blind Bartimaeus. He's blind. Jesus is nearby. There is no way that he's going to let this opportunity get past him. Um, why, why so much persistence here, Morgan? Yeah, you know, sometimes we will only seek something to the degree that we know our need. You know, I'm only going to seek to see a doctor if I really know I need to see a doctor because I'm sick, right? And here we see Bartimaeus, you know, he's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy upon me. You know, this persistence, I love it because we cannot uh, burden God with persistence in prayer. We cannot tire God or make him think, oh boy, here's Morgan again praying. Like, why don't you just get over it? God will always answer our persistence and, and see the persistence in our heart. So with these stories of persistence, and I guess this is the question, you know, a major question I've got. Is it a situation where we are, I guess, wearing God down so that if we keep persisting enough, sooner or later God will be like, well, you know what? I just can't handle these guys anymore. I'll answer their prayer. Is that what's going on here? No, I don't think so. Or is it then a situation where Mm. God doesn't actually know our need until we've asked him like 20 times? No, certainly not. Is it then a situation that God doesn't want to help us the first time that we ask? Most definitely not. (laughs) So what's going on with this all these is, stories of persistence? This is for our own best. Um, God knows. God knows what's for our own best. Like at the very beginning, God knew what would bring the greatest joy, peace, and happiness for mm-hmm. Adam and Eve, and He created that perfect environment. So when it comes to asking and continually asking, and it appears that God is not answering, it appears that God is death. It's not that God is not interested. It's gotten, it's not that God does not want to answer us immediately, but God knows that it's not in our best interest. Just like a parent, a parent doesn't give in to their child every single time they ask for something right away. That's because the parent knows what the child doesn't know. And that is they may need to wait or they may need to understand a few more things before they receive what they are asking for. Or maybe they... Mm are best not to receive that. So God is our heavenly parent. So we need to trust in his timing, his ways, and ultimately his answer. Mm. One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Daniel. And there's some great lessons in the book of Daniel. And in chapter 10, you'll find the story of Daniel praying. Mm. And he fasts and prays. And of course, he's one of the great men of the Bible, isn't he? Mm-hmm. You know, you think about Daniel, he's fasting and praying. And you think, well, a great man like that, he's just going to, you know, God's going to answer his prayer on the spot. Well, he's fasting and praying for three weeks mm-hmm. and he sees nothing happen for that entire period of three weeks. And to me, that's a great illustration because often we get discouraged, but God wants him to keep praying. You see, when we pray, you know, if God just comes down and intervenes in every little thing in relationship to his people, then Satan's going to have some accusations to make that, you know, God, you gave me this opportunity to show what my plan looks like. And you're just interfering all over the place. Mm, mm. Uh, But when we pray, God can turn up and God can interfere and Satan can come with his accusations. And God says, look, I'm here by request. Mm. Mm. Not only am I here by request, I'm here by persistent request. Mm. Not only am I here by persistent request, but persistent, earnest request. Mm. And you kind of see that happening here with the story of Bartimaeus. You see, he, he's by the roadside mm. and he is persistently, earnestly asking for Jesus to do something. And he's crying out. You know, he's not going to let this opportunity pass. This is his one great opportunity. He won't let it slip. 
And of course, you've got a great response to his healing right there. When Jesus sets us free, like Bartimaeus, we will want to follow him. We want to learn more from him, be like him. We want to make our lives to make a difference in the same way his life made a difference. Thank you for joining us on Let God Speak today. If you would like to view any of our past programs, go to our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Teachers can download teaching notes there. You can email us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Do join us next time and may God bless you in a special way. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.